Welcome to Under the Hood Podcast. In this podcast, we pop the hood and give you an inside look at the hows and whys of our ministry here at Cornerstone Church. I'm Michael Knave, your host. Well, today we're going to discuss arguably like the most important cornerstone conviction, which is Jesus is the hero, period. And I am joined by Andrew Pearson. Andrew, it is great to have you for this episode of Under the Hood. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm mortified to be asked, but I'm glad I'm here now. <laughs> so, so Andrew, you have played a really special role in my life regarding this conviction, and you have played a special role in making sure Cornerstone sticks to this conviction. But before we go there, yeah. before we jump in, um, give us an introduction. Like, what, 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 what do we need to know about you as we start this conversation? Okay. As you know, my name is Andrew Pearson, and it's funny, uh, Michael and I and the rest of the elders have been going back and forth talking about what my role is, uh, because I, I was an elder for seven years. That's awesome. Um, I would consider myself an informal elder. Ooh, I like that. Which means I'm still shepherding. I'm still um, uh, seeing situations where an elder would stop, uh, would uh, step in. Right. I'm not calling another elder. I'm, I'm you know, dealing with it. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I'm not in the meeting, so I, I would be... Informal. I, I don't know all the the background uh, ideas that are happening. I'm I'm not in those meetings. I'm not you know doing this formally, but uh, I still uh, still see that as a role. Like you know, I still want to be above reproach. It's not like once I stop being an elder, I'm like, how do I figure out what reproach is and stay there? I still want to be above it. <laughs> <laughs> so so good. Uh, so seven years as an elder. How long you guys been hanging around Cornerstone? Oh, we have What's... been here since 2010. In 11, 2011, I think. All right. So like 12 years. And who's we? Uh, that is me, uh, my wife, Ronnie, and our three kids, Liam, Lincoln, and Audrey. So uh, Liam was about six, eight months oh, when we first wow. started. So he's he is our cornerstone. So <laughs> like when we want to figure out how, how long we've yes. been here, we just like figure out, okay, Liam's this age, so we got to be here. We're, we're, we're a Liam's long length of, of uh, us being here. <laughs> what a fun way to date this season, This how long you've been at, at Cornerstone. Uh, okay, okay, so frame up the conversation for us. The conviction we're talking about this time is that Jesus is the hero, period. If, if you were just kind of give a an establishing shot of that of like how how would you summarize or how would you even start the conversation in answering this question why is keeping jesus first and foremost so important to you well if you look at it in a sense of like what if jesus wasn't the hero what does it look like and uh just even on my way here this morning i was trying to figure out What's something I can say to be funny? What's something I can say uh, mm. that will make people go, wow, Andrew knows what he's talking about. Um, like, I'm already just trying to make myself the hero. Like, in in talking about making Jesus the hero, the irony of that is insane, but we yeah. do it all the time. We're always trying to make ourselves the hero. And in church, in our, in our church, like, it's a lot more subtle. Um, we don't notice it as much, but there's so many times where in churches, we don't make Jesus a hero, but we make something else the hero. Um, and so when Jesus isn't 
tethered to the message, when Jesus isn't tethered to the ministry, then we get off track. It's it's so easy to get off track. Um, and just think of uh, like any any gospel that's got an adjective is off track. Mm, Prosperity gospel, right? Poverty gospel, right. morality gospel, word of faith gospel. Just any gospel where uh, we make something else the 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 idea of what we want most out of um, out of our faith, like that that is an issue. And so it's always we should always be looking like where where is Jesus not the hero because it will put it will take us down a rabbit hole that we don't want to go and so we should always be looking at that always going uh, like like not just the pastors the informal elders the formal elders mm-hmm. but uh, anybody listening to this podcast just you know listening like where's Jesus in this where's Jesus in the message where's so I'm I'm sending like fifteen hundred people after you Michael. <laughs> you know what? That that is so good. I, I I love that you called out how subtle it can be at church. In well, of, of course, Jesus is the hero of the story. Like we are a church of Jesus Christ, and you know that's that's what we do here. And yet, how subtly we can be thinking: How can I be funny? How can I make? It's like whoa! Yeah. I, I'm making myself the hero of the story. And with it being so subtle in the church. It's easy for Christians to miss that they have stopped making Jesus the hero. So, Andrew, I want to publicly say thank you for your role in helping me catch that in myself. Thank you for being that broken record Jesus on repeat that for a season, I'll be honest, was a little frustrating to me. It's like, come on, (laughs) Andrew, give me a break. What's going on? But we can never get past the gospel and it really took your obstinance for for me to hear that. And as I reflect back, here's here's what happened to me. I was a, I was a guy who was raised in church. Yeah. Um, the week after I was born, I was there. Right. And as I look back, I realized that I've also been um, the always the practical guy. Like, okay, so what does that mean? What do I need to do in response to the gospel? And with that, having always been around the gospel and wanting to be a practical guy of like, okay, how do, how do I do that without realizing it, some of my sermons assumed the gospel. And those would be the weeks that uh, you would very lovingly and respectfully come to me and say, uh, Michael, uh, that one was missing the gospel. And, and just like going back to your first comment, like it took me a while to see that. And what I so appreciate now looking back is it wasn't just you telling me I needed to offer an invitation to respond, like close your eyes, bow your head, accept Jesus as your Savior. Like you were telling me the gospel was missing. Like you didn't remind us of what Jesus did on the cross. You didn't remind us of the good news that we're responding to. You ran ahead and you assumed the gospel. So Andrew, thank you for just being unwilling to um, let us assume that your your voice there has has been so so helpful. Thank you for that. Absolutely, and you softened it a little bit with uh, sweetly and uh, kindly. Like I don't think so. I, I know myself back then, and I <laughs> right. would, I would have been a little bit of a jerk about it. And I apologize. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, and and maybe it took that uh, really really firm voice. Uh, you were annoying. Yeah, uh, really annoying uh, to the glory of God. I, and I, I, I've I really repented do. for like eighty percent of it. <laughs> you, 
<laughs> and and I, I do appreciate your growth and maturity. Hey, when I think about the danger of assuming the gospel and, and even the pattern that I had fallen into in the past and that you helped me out of, now I, I think about Judges chapter 2. Like the Israelites followed the Lord all the days of Joshua and the elders who outlived Joshua. And then there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done. Uh, Don Carson was the one who said, and he was referring to a specific group, a, a Christian group. He said, the first generation knows the gospel. The second generation assumes the gospel. And the third generation forgets the gospel. And so when I think about that assumement, uh, and then completely forget it. It's like, wow, we're only one step away uh, from setting up that next generation to totally abandon the gospel. And when you look at the book of Judges, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. And what happened? Uh, the first generation knew it, like Joshua and the elders, and then the second generation assumed it. Like somehow they didn't put the focus on what God had done. They, they were assuming the gospel and put the focus on what they did as good people. And then by that third generation, poof, like they completely abandoned the gospel. How important it is to stay focused on what God has done. How important is it to keep the focus on the cross? And that was one of those things that you you said that phrase, stare at the gospel. And I thought, Andrew, would you quit saying that? There's more to it than just look at it. And yet you were challenging me to make sure that we keep uh, our eyes focused on what Christ has done. I've also heard that the fourth generation, after forgetting the gospel, denies the gospel, which... Ooh makes so much sense if you look at our our world right now especially in america where i mean it they it seems like our culture is vehemently opposed to it mm. i mean for so long there was a respect for it and and now it's gone to a place where like we don't even have the moral high ground anymore like we we are looked at as the pariahs of our culture um which is which is insane that we've gotten to that place so quickly yeah man what a what uh, an encouragement for us to keep our focus there and when we're when we're talking about the practicals of make sure that it is always rooted in what Christ has done yes we're responding but we're responding to the gift of Jesus Christ uh and making sure that that we keep it pinned right there yeah Hey, you and I were having a, a texting conversation, and you noted that in the church, there's been um, almost an obsession with spiritual gifts to the exclusion of fruit of the Spirit. Um, what was it that you were saying there? Well, there's been a lot of—I think since the Internet's come, there has been a, this— Massage, massage, massive shift to celebrity pastors mm -hmm. and celebrity churches. And uh, I think that so much celebrity is, I mean, we weren't meant to have this much fame. And it's caused a lot of issues for a lot yeah. of um, these people that have just so much talent and that is being used for um uh, preaching, for uh, teaching, for worship, for all these different uh, ways that God's gifted them. And we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of fallen pastors now. 
like the like 2000 to 2012 or something like that. There's just this massive um, shift towards celebrity pastors. Yeah. And they have like they have fans. Like who who knew the pastors would have fans? <laughs> and like and and I, I'm I'm guilty of it. Like I had my you know right. I had my guys. Uh-huh. Like you know like that they they could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. But then like it got to their head to where you know we're seeing just one after another after another after another fall. And then uh, something happens right after that um, uh, where a. Um, and a term that is kind of new to me uh, called deconstructionism. A mm-hmm. lot of a lot of deconstruction happens when their heroes all of a sudden start to fall. And um, uh, like, for instance, uh, Ravi Zacharias, like, I mean, people loved Ravi. And yeah. then after he passed, there was some stuff that came out about his life that was just like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Like, this guy's, this guy did what? Yeah. And what I keep hearing is how could such a gifted man go and do something, something like this. And, um, a friend, a friend of mine asked me that. And I said, it's not, you'll recognize them by their gifts. We never supposed to recognize Christians by their gifts of the spirit. Mm. It's we'll recognize them by their fruit. And we've got it. We've got it turned around. Like the idea of looking at somebody by their gifts was never meant to be. It was always by their fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is how we recognize uh, Christians is by their fruit, yes, not their gifts. Mm. Man, that is, a, that is a, a real challenge because, boy, those gifts can be impressive. Some of the teaching yeah. gifts yeah, absolutely. of now fallen leaders are so impressive. You know, you'll, I'll read articles and say, that guy can put that teaching together in 90 minutes. I mean, the, the ability of that person to articulate the gospel, God's word, is so impressive that then we uh, overlook that by their fruit, you'll know them, both false teachers and genuine believers. You, you, you know by looking at the fruit, and, and you gave us the list of fruit of the Spirit. God's given them massive talent, mm-hmm. just like he's given some doctors massive talents and some yeah. professors yeah. massive talents. But that does not mean that uh, they have a, you know, a holiness that like can be untouched. Like mm-hmm. Satan is working on them just like he's working on you and me. And we have to realize that that is not our measuring stick, our, our benchmark of like what true faith is. Yes. Yes. Well, as, as I think about our church staying focused and ensuring that Jesus is the hero of the story, there are some really beautiful ways that that comes out. Like we continue to fight to make sure every sermon keeps Jesus at the center. Uh, We continue to suggest resources like Jesus Storybook Bible, where Jesus is the hero of the story. Um, I regularly share my own mistakes and struggles because I'm not the hero of this church. I'm I continue uh, to point people to Jesus. And yes, it is imperative that I am trustworthy and a man of character that has the fruit that you were just describing. Um, But I too need a savior. And Jesus is the hero of of my story. Um, And what I see is that also our worship leaders can be authentic in their worshiping. They're not the hero of the worship service. They are able to point us to Jesus every time. And then when we as Christians are offended, uh, 
we're able to go to each other and have those difficult conversations um, rather than feeling like, oh, if I admit I did wrong, then I'm somehow disqualified. No, we are qualified because of what Christ has done. And and recently, um, I saw a pastor just this past week, and he commented on how genuinely Dustin is leading our worship services. I thought, that's that's exactly right, because that comes off. You you can sense it when Dustin is released from thinking he has to be the hero of the story. Like when Jesus is really the hero of our worship service, our worship leaders can celebrate that and and not be trying to make themselves uh, more than we are. And I'm reminded of a story when Sarah Rawls first came on staff and she stepped into one of our sermon planning discussions. And after it was over, she said to her brother Nathan, she's like, Nathan, do you always talk to Michael like that? Like, and, and she's like, really? Uh, and and what had happened was he offered biblical critique uh, to the series and asked questions. And what he told Sarah was, um, Michael wants our real feedback, not just flattery. Like, we want to get this right. We want to represent Jesus well. And when we keep him the hero, then we are able to realize our role. And we are able to celebrate that he is the one who is perfect. We're not. He is the one who receives the worship. We're not. And that puts us in a really beautiful position to be the church he wants us to be. And Andrew, I want to thank you for your role in helping me and our church get locked in on that and stay locked in on that. It's truly been a joy to serve with you. Absolutely. And I hope to continue to know you in the future if need be. <laughs> you annoy me anytime that I get us off. And uh, it has been an absolute joy to see you grow in your maturity and how you express that. Yeah. And thank with you. With such love. And thank you guys. Um, being, you know, being part of the eldership for seven years, I've seen the background of what's going on yeah. behind the scenes. And the uh, amount of ego is so low compared to what you would expect from a church this size, and that is such a uh, it's it's such a um, feeling of like oh, I I can I can breathe mm-hmm. I, I can breathe easy knowing that ego is not a, a huge thing from here because I think a lot of people have a bad idea of what happens sometimes with a big church like this and right. it's not that it's it really is a place of humility and um, love for each other that I didn't expect so mm. so you guys are are doing a great job and and. I recognize the pastors by their fruit, and yeah. that is that is comforting. Yes, it is. Andrew, thanks for being here today. Sure. Thank you for being part of making this conviction a really lived out conviction that it is. Thank you. Thank you.